Hello and welcome to the Ed Surge On Air podcast, a weekly look at the future of education. I'm Emily Tate, a reporter here. When you hear the word invention, what comes to mind? If you're anything like me, you probably think of the light bulb, the telephone, maybe the airplane. These were groundbreaking inventions that fundamentally changed the way we live and communicate and travel. So much so that their creators are still household names more than 100 years later. Thomas Edison, Alexander Graham Bell, the Wright brothers, you know these names. But today, there are plenty of young inventors whose names you haven't heard of. Not yet, anyway. These are middle and high school students who have developed solutions to major economic and social challenges, ranging from healthcare and transportation to agriculture and the environment. Our guest today is someone who works with these students every day, helping them identify a problem and refine a solution, their invention. Lee Esterbrooks has seen students in New York City invent a tool that will prevent fires from igniting on the city's subway tracks. And students in North Carolina create a system that helps farmers identify disabilities in their livestock. Esterbrooks has a really cool job as the Invention Education Officer at the Limelson MIT program, which encourages young people to create an event through two grant initiatives. But she says what's even better than seeing all the inventions that come through each year is realizing that it's not just the most gifted students who are getting patents for their work. All students, no matter their GPAs or zip codes or learning challenges, can be inventors. She knows, because she's seen it. So first of all, what exactly is an invention education officer? What do you do? What do I do? I have a lot of fun. My work consists of designing programs for young inventors across the country. And through the Limelson MIT program, I run grants initiatives as well as training for teachers and uh, really just uh, introducing people to what it means to be uh, creative and inventive. And how did you get into this work? I have a unique background. I started off in corporate R&D, new product development, took a few years off to raise children. When my children went to school, I went to school also. I became a high school teacher. So I have this unique background of corporate R&D, new product development, and teaching high school. And there was a opportunity to go to work for the Limelson MIT program to run the Invent Teams Grants Initiative, and my background fit really well for that. And how long ago was this? 13 years. I've been there since uh, the program was uh, two years old. And when I say the program, that's the Limelson MIT Invent Teams program. Um, So you primarily work with young inventors. I work with young inventors. Um, So by the time someone gets to you, Mm -hmm. are they already a quote-unquote inventor, or are you helping foster that? Actually, we're helping to foster young inventors. How many middle school and high school students actually say that they're inventors? Not many. (laughs) In fact, uh, even the students that go through our program, a year-long invention experience, only a little over 30% of them identify as an inventor at the end of the year. It's really difficult to have people think of themselves as inventors. It's kind of a lofty goal. Yeah, it seems like an elite status to And we're trying to help them to understand that it isn't an elite status and that all kids 
all students can invent. Maybe you could put that in context. So if there's a spectrum, obviously you think about the invention of the light bulb or the telephone as um, you know some of the most foundational inventions, the invention of the smartphone. Mm-hmm. But what's something that maybe a student could invent but wouldn't quite call it that, that you would? Well, that's interesting. First of all, uh, we work with teams of high school inventors, not individual inventors, because it is a very lofty goal for one person in high school to invent something that's significant for humankind. Uh, We do work with teams of inventors. We pool all their knowledge together uh, so that they can actually create a useful, unique contrivance within one school year. And uh, these students will address a real-world problem. It's very open-ended. It's really difficult because that's not how students learn today primarily. So um, we just had our capstone event last week at MIT. It's called Eureka Fest. And we brought all the high school teams that we've been working with together and they presented and showcased their inventions to the MIT community. The one that um, comes to mind right now, the one that's just rather intrigued me over this past week, in fact, has been a group of students from California who've worked on improving the quality of sleep, specifically of high school students. You know that the life of a high school student is very hectic, uh, filled with AP courses filled with extracurricular activities, filled with um, college applications. You know, they, they, on average, I think, uh, get about six hours of sleep, which isn't enough sleep for anyone. So they've uh, wanted to look into the problem of sleep deprivation in high school students. And yet what they came to find out through their, their research and their invention is that many people besides just high school students can benefit from an improved night's sleep. And it's through this group of students that I learned a lot about sleep. And so I I have to admit that over the past uh, few mornings, I've woken up thinking, gosh, did I get those delta waves in last (laughs) night? Uh, You know, did, did I get a quality night's sleep? And these kids are just doing amazing things. Uh, they're integrating computational thinking and computer science in with uh, microelectronics and the Internet of Things, and they're creating this system, not just one contrivance, but a system to improve the quality of sleep, that they're actually seeking intellectual patent, uh, intellectual property protection for, and I would think that these students will take this project into college with them. So maybe it's not a perfect, refined... It's not an innovation yet. It, they are not creating value from this idea yet. Can you give us a sense of... Um, How far they have to go? Or even just what their idea is, what this system may do. The system may, through a headband, monitor the quality of sleep. Through a wristband, cool the body down to improve the quality of sleep. And also through a phone app, 
help the student to realize during the day how alert they are. And eventually they would like to tie all of these devices in together. So this is, well, this is fascinating, um, but I want to back up because sure I'm sure thing. we can use this example as probably what many high school groups are doing through this program. So when they get to you, are they, you know, are there different sectors um, that they're thinking about? Like somebody, somebody told them, I want you to solve the sleep problem or, I mean, what's their starting point? Their starting point is a point, I think, of passion, something that they as a team believe in, uh, that they come together and agree upon. We found that in working with high school students, this really needs to be their problem that they own, not a problem that's been assigned to them. It's terribly difficult work on top of everything else that a high school student is doing. An Invent Team project can take up to 250 hours wow. during the school year. It's after school work, it's Saturday work, it's Sunday work sometimes, um, it's holiday work. So they really have to be fully vested in what the problem is and therefore they'll work hard on the solution to improve the lives of others. Over the 13 years that you've been um, at the Lemelson MIT program, can you name maybe one or two inventions that have blown you away or that maybe even now they haven't reached their full potential, but at the time they stood out to you? To be clear, it's the students that blow me away and the inventions are extraordinary but it's the students that come up with these inventions that really blow me away. And I found over my years that all students can invent. And I say that because I've seen, I've seen a team of special needs students from North Carolina that had an extraordinary invention three years ago. These kids work diligently out of a lab at NC State University where they came together from all over North Carolina. One student traveled as far as Charlotte to Raleigh every weekend to work with this group of students. And these were kids who didn't have a lot of opportunities in the regular school day to pursue STEM because they were doing other things to work with their disability. And they had the most astounding invention to help detect lameness in cows. And so I learned from all the kids. I had no idea why they were studying lameness in cows, but lameness actually is a way that a farmer will detect whether or not the, the cow is healthy or not. And I just can't tell you what it meant to not just the kids, but to the, the, the kids' families to see their, their sons and their daughters presenting their very clever solution at MIT and being awarded the most technical award that year for what they diligently worked on. And that is the... Lameness detection system for cows. And it... Works. It works. Do farmers use it? They continue to work with farmers so that they will use it. And 
uh, they've been invited and have visited the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office in Alexandria. These kids are great. So when you're working with these students, what sort of qualities and skills do you most often see come out during these projects and also that you find are most useful? They have to be persistent. Learn from failure, resourcefulness, and they really do have to be very engaged with the problem itself. They have to have a a good working knowledge of the problem and to continue to develop that knowledge over the time that they're working to reduce it to practice. So that makes me curious about the students in North Carolina Mm -hmm. because um, the first example you gave about sleep deprivation for Mm -hmm. high schoolers, I wonder why you think those students in North Carolina were so were able to be so persistent about the detection system. I think in that case they were inspired by Temple Grandin, who is a famous scientist from NC State University who is also autistic. Mm. And uh, she's done uh, marvelous work on cows. And so she was their hero. And, and I think that they were, they were led forward by, uh, by her work. And it was just something that they could relate to. That's not to say that they didn't actually go out in the field and work with the cows, because they did. And they also worked with the uh, ag schools professors at NC State. So they came to know their problem very, very well. Where do you see young people funneling their energy these days? Are there common problems that they have or that they want to be able to solve? That's very difficult to answer because their problems come primarily from their communities. And every community has a different set of problems. But I do see students turning more and more to technology so that their inventions are are more um, electronic, if you will. Whereas perhaps 15 years ago, the inventions tended to be more mechanical. Um, But today there is a component of computer science in just about all all of our projects. And did most of these students come to you with that um, baseline computer science Not at all. Really? (laughs) (laughs) They come to us again with a great problem to solve. And there's a lot of just-in-time and just-enough learning. And that's where I think many of the uh, tools that we have today. Thank goodness for YouTube. Uh, Thank goodness for for, uh, Wikipedia. Thank goodness for Google. You know, the kids are quite adept at finding their own answers. And uh, uh, the team that I was talking about from California uh, with the the sleep problem that they were working on, uh, they did not come to the Invent Team Initiative with a lot of computer programming and certainly no AI experience. And so they learned on the job, if you will. They, they learned while inventing. And yes, they did have a teacher, but the teacher wasn't teaching them how to program. The teacher was facilitating the process. In the beginning, you mentioned that you do some teacher training. Yes. So are you training these students, teachers from their own schools, or 
what kind of teacher training are you doing? So some of uh, the professional development is for our finalists for next year's Invent Team grants, but we also do uh, professional development for people who are just interested, teachers who are interested in invention education. Um, invention education is relatively new. Uh, not many people know what to make of it yet. And it's through professional development that we want to encourage teachers to consider inventing with their students. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's, uh, it's a bit of freedom for the teachers as well as the students. Uh, we'll have teachers who have, believe me, worked very, very hard. If a student has, at, has put in 250 hours on a project, well, guess what? The teacher has also. These teachers do an extraordinary amount of facilitating, uh, helping the students to maneuver through things that they have not had experience doing, like managing a budget. And these teachers will tell us at the end of the year was the hardest thing they've ever done and something that they wouldn't trade for anything. And we actually had teachers last uh, week at the end of their Invent Team year actually ask us when they can do it again. You know, teachers get hooked on, on working with students in this manner. And invention is transdisciplinary. You know, it's not just science, technology, engineering, and math. It's, it's, it's the social sciences. There's a lot of the soft skills embedded into bringing a, a, an invention to real, into reality. Uh, kids learn how to communicate. They learn how to uh, work with others. Teamwork is huge. Uh, they learn how to manage their time. I feel like I have to ask if you have a favorite invention of all time. Well, my favorite invention I think uh, the one I keep going back to is Nancy Johnson's 1843 invention of the ice cream maker. <laughs> and I think that is extraordinary. In 1840, there was only 20 female inventors at that time. And, and that just astounds me. Who were those 20 women? We can look them up and see. But in thinking about inventors today, only 10% of our inventors on U.S. patents are women. 90% are men. And that's an area where my program really wants to make a difference. Our invent teams have about 35% uh, female participation, and we work every year to get that number higher and higher and higher. Um, and then finally, I want you to hold yourself to the same standard for the word invention as you yes. want your students to. Have you ever invented anything yourself? I knew you were going to ask that question. <laughs> and I often say, I invent inventors. Inventing takes time. Just like my students, I have a lot of good ideas about those physical inventions that I think you're talking about. And reducing them to practice is, is where the time comes in, the time factor comes in. So I think I'll save that aspect of inventing to when I retire. Mm. But right now I have a lot of good work and I have a lot of fun just working with the young inventors across the country. Well, thank you so much. Well, thank you, Emily. This has been the Ed Surge On Air podcast. Each week we feature conversations like this one. So please subscribe to keep up with future episodes. And you can support the show by taking a minute to tell us how we're doing with a rating or review. 
This episode was edited by me, Emily Tate, and produced by Jeff Young. We'll be back next week with more on the future of education. Thanks for listening.